This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Cyhawk Week is officially here. Iowa looking to get back on the right track against Iowa State. In this series, should be a fun, exciting game. Hawkeye Insider will be on site. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com previewing Iowa and Iowa State. The two schools that were basically the uh, chosen ones, as Kirk Ferentz calls it, in the gambling investigation. A lot of Iowa State's top playmakers are no longer with the team. Noah Shannon for Iowa is uh, suspended for the entire season, and a couple of guys not on the two deep are no longer officially part of the Hawkeye roster. Sean, let's start right from the top. Uh, I really don't know how much we learned about Iowa State last week, what, re-watching their game against UNI. We knew them without Hunter Deckers and Jirel Brock would be interesting. Jake Remsburg is not there. He suspended six games due to the gambling investigation, but they did come away with a 30-9 to win. Uh a lot of positives for Iowa State, but I'm still kind of in the same boat as I was before the season, Sean. I don't know what to expect from this Iowa State offense. Yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's certainly an interesting look. I mean, you don't have Hunter Deckers from last year. You don't have Xavier Hutchinson, and we know just how big of a focal point Hutchinson was in that Cyhawk game and for the entire season for Iowa State. And you know, the running back room looks deep, different, too, even though I know they're excited about the depth that they have in Ames with the young talent. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different look Iowa State team and the tight end room. I know <clears throat> Nick Oson of our Iowa State site has praised that tight end room all offseason. And Kirk mentioned on Hawk Talk, Hawk Talk yesterday that they counted five tight ends that Iowa State used uh, in last week's win over Northern Iowa. So, they're going to use their tight ends. That's for sure. They're, that's going to be a focal point. And, you know, there are just so many similarities, it seems like, with these teams. And obviously, scheme-wise, it's different on both ends. But, you know, just like the personnel strengths and stuff seem to be seem to be pretty similar. And that's that's what's going to make this game really fascinating. Yeah, and I'm, I keep looking at this Iowa State offense. As you mentioned, they're very excited about the tight end room. I know Nick's been talking a lot about that throughout fall camp. 
Uh, but I also think it could play in favor of Iowa because of that on both sides. So let me let me kind of explain. Like you said, Xavier Hutchinson was huge for Iowa State. They don't have a lot of proven wide receivers right now, which I think the pressure on Deshaun Lee, Iowa's retro freshman who's stepping up for Jamari Harris, I think that goes down a little bit. Obviously, Cooper DeGene had a big game last season. He's poised for a big year as well. But, you know, Nick Jackson, for example, the Virginia linebacker transfer, he was forced to cover a lot of slot wide receivers, and that's not necessarily where he can be best utilized. So if he has to go cover a tight end, if he can plug the run gaps, like I think this could be the game where people really start to see who Nick Jackson is as a player. I mean, I think Jay Higgins brought up post game that he kind of knew, I think people are going to be hard on Nick, but Nick was playing in a role that he did not anticipate. I don't think he even really practiced for because as multiple players have mentioned, it was very difficult to scout Utah state. So Nick was forced in a couple awkward spots, but yeah, I'm, I'm very eager. And the other part too, is Sean uh, Shieldhouse, I believe it's his first year calling plays for Iowa state. And there's only 40, I think 43 plays to go off of, which is I think the lowest Iowa state's run in a win since 1961. So I think Iowa state's got some wiggle room to be a little bit more creative in this game, as opposed to the first game. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how a two quarterback system works against Iowa. Typically it doesn't work that well. Rocco Beck is expected to get the start, but Matt Campbell said during his press conference that true freshman JJ Cole is probably going to get some run as well. Does he stay true to that? Is he just kind of saying that to get Iowa to prepare for both? Maybe. And if so, I think that's a smart move. Uh, but it, it, this game is just very interesting on a lot of levels because I think Iowa state, there's more unknown And I think Iowa has just as much to prove as Iowa State just because of the ranks we saw last season and the missed opportunities for Iowa's offense uh, in that first game. Because we, I think we talked about earlier post-game, Iowa was very, very close to getting 38 to 40 points in that game. But what if, you know, it's just very interesting. You have to be able to take advantage of those opportunities because we can say they should have had that, should have, could have, would have. But the reality is they didn't, and we don't want to be sitting here in five, six weeks saying Iowa should have had this, but they haven't grown from taking advantage of the opportunities. Yeah, and taking advantage of the opportunities is going to be going to be a focal point in this game because I feel like they're so evenly matched on the defensive side of the ball. And while Iowa State had seemed to have the more, you know, encouraging offensive performance, at least from a broad aspect, um, in week one and, you know, Iowa obviously, you know, had those first two drives and, you know, that touchdown pass from Kate McNamara to Seth Anderson, you know, it's, I mean, the last couple of games, like rivalry games, I know it's a cliche, but, you know, these records go out the window. Like it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, um, you know, how good a team is or how talented a team is. Like if you're not, if you're, these teams are so disciplined on defense and, you know, the, the special teams for Iowa State is improving that, you know, that that's obviously going to be a factor. But, you know, if you make a mistake here or there, and that's why the turnover margin has played such an, an important yeah. role in the last couple last couple of meetings. I think going into last year, Iowa had like an 8-0 turnover um, advantage over the last five games. And, you know, it's no secret why they won all those games that they were playing in because they had that turnover difference. So, yeah, I mean it's going to come down to those to those uh, those tiny plays, those mishaps, and 
potential opportunities for both teams, you know, take advantage of those mistakes that the other team might make. I think it's interesting too. Iowa state has held 16 consecutive opponents to less than 400 yards of offense, which it's an impressive statistic. Maybe we don't need to bring it up for Iowa just because they haven't really shown to be that explosive on offense throughout the past year plus most still worth noting I think the other thing is, too, Iowa has to run the football. They have to find a way. The run blocking was not good against Utah State. Caleb Johnson, I still think, has all-conference potential. I think that's been very apparent. But the last 14 of 15 winners in this series, Sean, has come from the team that's tried to run the ball the most, even if it fails. So I think you know Caleb Johnson should be getting 25 22 to 25 carries in this game. I know they want to get LaShawn Williams and Jazzy and Patterson involved as well, but I think they can get more involved next week against Western Michigan. And maybe you can take away the workload from Caleb a little bit next week. Um, But it is interesting. And and looking at Iowa's offense quick, the more I look at this matchup, I think there's a lot of opportunities for Luke Lachey and Eric, all that massive games. Look, you mentioned it. I think Iowa state secondary I'm not going to say is as talented as Iowa. I think there's more proven depth, though, from Iowa State than Iowa. Iowa likes the potential from their guys, but they just haven't had a lot of the time compared to Iowa State. But Iowa State probably has a top, what, what would you say, 12 to 14, 15 secondary in the country, maybe higher? Yeah, it's pretty good. Their linebacker room is young. And if you're going to put a true freshman guy up or a redshirt freshman guy up against Eric All or Luke Lachey, Iowa has to find a way to get those isolation matchups and make those young Iowa State linebackers step up and make plays against proven vets, proven potential all-conference guys, proven you know future Sunday guys. So I think Iowa is going to make a very big effort to try to get the tight ends involved. But I also said this. I, I believe I said on our 24-7 sports video with, with Grace Remington, and I was talking to Nick on camera as well, I think they're going to try to run a couple of things for Caleb Brown because I, you talk about those missed opportunities. Caleb Brown broke down the sidelines probably two or three times where he was pretty wide open, but Iowa just either they didn't get the read, the play blew up. But Caleb Brown, this is a type of game where you have to utilize his versatility and athleticism. Yes, it's not a lot of proven college production yet, but you've seen him in the scrimmages. You see the potential. Iowa coaches know the potential. It's not going to surprise me if they try to run a big play or two for Caleb Brown to really showcase uh, his ability as well. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. And I could also, you know, see maybe one or two different, you know, plays that maybe we're not used to seeing Brian Ferentz run and, you know, can kind of trick up this Iowa State defense. Because, I mean, as we've said before, and Kirk said it yesterday in Hawk Talk, that this Iowa State defense, the three-three-five, is not something to – that's very easy to, to uh, you know, plan for. Yeah. They do a lot of different things. They disguise the safeties really well. The linebackers are physical. The defensive line does a really good job of freeing, uh, freeing guys up and, you know, letting those linebackers play in space and, you know, get to the, get to the pocket. And, I mean, I, I've been looking at this matchup. You mentioned Caleb Brown. I think the most important matchup of the day is uh, Logan Jones versus Dom Orange, Iowa State's yeah. massive defensive defensive uh, tackle, nose guard. I think he's listed at like 6'4", 335 pounds, just a massive dude. And he's lost a lot of weight. He's powerful. He can move. And, you know, as we saw last week, I thought the, the offensive line did a really good job in pass protection. 
but the run blocking wasn't there. And I thought the interior had its moments where there were some struggles. And, you know, Iowa obviously wants to get up to the outside and, you know, make plays outside the tackles for their for their running backs and, you know, certain stretch plays and whatnot. But the meat of this offense is going to be, you know, getting plays through the middle, getting through plays through those A and B gaps, you know, taking taking, you know, runs up the middle and, you know, getting four to five, six yards on a carry and, you know, not always the big play. And, you know, to be able to spread out and maybe, you know, able to frustrate that Iowa State defense with those run plays is gonna be really important. I mean, Iowa State, while it wasn't a banner day for them last year in the run game. I mean, Jareel Brock still had over 100 yards, if I'm not mistaken, on the ground. And, I mean, you saw the impact that it had, you know, when it was able to – when they were able to really get it on the perimeter to guys like Xavier Hutchinson and their uh, their talented tight ends too. So, you know, there's there's a couple different ways where this game can be won. Obviously, you mentioned the run game and, you know, with the tight ends. It, but, I mean, I think it, it starts up front. I mean, it, it starts on the interior. It starts with Logan Jones. I think if he can get good push on the inside – that can really elevate guys like Connor Colby and, you know, Rusty Feth or uh, Tyler Ellsbury, um, Nick DeYoung. Oh, Stevens potentially back as well. Yeah, I mean, those guys, like, that could be that could be a really big boost for this Iowa offense. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good point about that too because, I mean, as I mentioned, I thought Logan Jones had a pretty solid debut. I think he's poised on offense to take the biggest jump from the players that we saw last year uh, to this year. But as you mentioned, it, it was interesting thinking back to the the post-game comments from Logan, and he talked about just the camaraderie and the chemistry and the, and the pass protection. And he talked about how much more comfortable he is and how much more kind of in sync they are about pre-snap communication. And I think I touched on this on our last podcast, but can they correlate that and translate that over to the run blocking? I don't know that. Because something's going to either progress or regress to the mean. So where's Iowa going to kind of stand on it? But yeah, Dom Orange, I mean, that is a no small human being. Logan Jones, I think, is as comfortable and confident as ever. But as you mentioned, getting that first initial push and that explosive first step from all the linemen, I think that's going to make a big difference if Iowa's averaging two yards a carry or 4.3 yards a carry. And if Iowa averages over four yards a carry against Iowa State, I think they're in a very, very good spot. Obviously, they want to hit that kind of four-and-a-half threshold. If they can get anywhere around four, I think you're taking a lot of pressure off Cade McNamara, who's still not 100%. I don't think he's going to be 100% until after the bye week, based on what I've been told. But I also would tell you tell people this, and Cade brought it up, and I think it's important. Who's going to be 100% after three weeks? That's just the nature of the game. I mean, they're, everybody's going to be sore somehow. And Iowa, I think, is going to do a really good job of kind of managing that. And I know a lot of people think back to that 20, I believe, 2015 season with C.J. Beathard, 2015 or 2016, when he had that groin injury. I think you'd rather have a lasting quad injury than a groin injury. I just think in terms of the treatments easier, in terms of the recovery timetable is a lot better for quads rather than groins. So I think people, again, I, I get the comparisons. But I also think this, and, and Kirk talked about last night, you put it on our board. Cade's got a high pain threshold, and it's going to take a whole lot for him not to be out there, especially after kind of what has happened uh, over the past year and a half for him and kind of the tour he wants to go on. Because the more I talk to him, Sean, I don't know if you get the same vibe. Like, this is a dude that is 
absolutely driven to to lure Iowa back to a Big Ten title opportunity. I mean, he's not going to come out right and say it, but the way he talks and the way he sort of, I don't want to say rallied the locker room because I don't want to indict the leaders of last year, but there just seems to be a different energy about this this year's team rather than last year's team. Would you would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly say the spark that, you know, happened in the offseason with Iowa going in the transfer portal and being so involved with, you know, a number of guys and, you know, kind of really revamping that roster. I think that that was definitely a big boost. And, you know, having a guy like K too with just the confidence that he exudes, that's that's important wherever. And, you know, not just the confidence, like, in his voice, but confidence as a quarterback too, and just the ability to show that he can make plays on the field and do, you know, do what he needs to do to help his team win. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, the offensive performance for the most part wasn't as exciting, um, you know, thrilling outside of those first two drives as people may not have liked, but, you know, Iowa won and it showed, I mean, how many times did we see examples during this, not hacking on Spencer Petrus, but how many times during the Petrus era as a starting quarterback did we see, you know, a perfectly executed pass, uh, pass and catch like that first touchdown, you know, in the, in the season opener last week? It was not the season opener. I mean, the, the one that immediately comes to mind, Sean, is Keegan Johnson's first touchdown. I think it was that 43-yarder when he broke off that yeah. the Colorado okay. State. Okay. But that's okay. but no, I think you bring up a good point. But I'd also echo your sentiment with this: How many times do we see it consistently throughout a game? Because you think of Cade's deep passing; he was on point. I mean, Nico would have had a touchdown in the corner if Nico didn't turn over the wrong shoulder. Cade placed a perfect pass there. You think about him throwing the ball downfield to Luke Lachey. Luke Lachey goes up and gets it, and that's where I was asking Cade. I was asking Kirk during the press conference this week. Do they make it more – are they going to make more of an effort to just push the ball downfield and take more chances? Because, again, the thing that I think was most frustrating about Iowa's offense last year among the thousands of things you and I could probably point out, they played to survive and to let the defense and special teams win rather than play to win. They just they, they took no chances down the field. They were so afraid to turn it over. They would rather punt the ball than throw a long interception to at least give the playmakers on the outside an opportunity. And I think you look at Eric Gall, you look at Luke Lachey, you look at and, – and Kirk alluded to this, and it is a fair point. The wide receiver room in general is just a lot healthier, and it's in a lot better place as far as potential and talent. And Cade just said he's going to let it rip when, when he sees isolation coverage, and I think that was – you know, something that really stood out to me because how many times do we see in the Petrus era? And again, this is not just harping on Petrus. There were a lot of other issues. How many times do we see Petrus take a shot downfield when it was one-on-one coverage? Not a lot. They'd have to be wide open. Cade saying, I, I trust my guys to go run the routes and, and to go come down with those 50-50 balls and the playmakers to be able to make plays. And I think that's a very, very big step forward for Iowa's offensive philosophy. But we also need to see that translate from Utah State to an Iowa State, to a Penn State, to an Illinois. You've got to see against higher level competition. But 
again, when you go back to the offense performance for Iowa, I was still more encouraged than discouraged when I look back at the film and just the foundational pieces, especially when you compare it to the South Dakota State game. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing compares to that to that South Dakota State game. I mean, that uh, that was probably the, the lowest of lows when it comes to, you know, her lack of optimism um after a game i mean i know south dakota state is obviously a <clears throat> a pretty good team uh but obviously it you know i wish that should not have been no should not have been you know the the score that it was but i mean yeah when you talk about you know some of these guys too on iowa state i mean obviously jeremiah cooper had a really good game yesterday or last week against uh against northern iowa Miles Purchase is a guy that Iowa State really likes. TJ Tampa is a big corner at 6'2", 200 pounds. But, you know, I think one of the keys, I mean, in the bo- the boundary safety, Malik Verdon, 6'4", 225 pounds. Like, that's a big dude. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one yeah. of those things where, you know. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. That's probably one of the preferred matchups that Iowa would or Iowa State would like to have against Iowa's tight ends if Iowa's tight ends are going to get downfield a little bit. Because, um, I mean, that's – he's massive, um, especially, you know, with the way he can move too. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating on uh, on Saturday to kind of see how Iowa looks to take apart, you know, this Iowa State defense because Kirk said it yesterday in Hawk Talk, I mean, it's not – it's not a game where you're necessarily reliant on finding your run game or finding your consistent offensive attack because Iowa State's not going to make it easy on you. Like they are, they've been yeah. trying to figure out this Iowa State defense for the last couple of years ever since. I mean, no, they had that successful uh, 2017 game, but, you know, since then, the offense, you know, Iowa State's defense has been able to give Iowa troubles more often than not. And Iowa's really had to rely on the defense to, you know, make plays and, you know, get those opportunities for the offense. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think, you know, defense is going to find a way to win this game. But if you're Iowa, I mean, is this a year where you maybe get two, three offensive touchdowns against a John Heacock defense? Like that's that's going to be very – that's very fascinating to me. I think this team has personnel to do it. But, I mean, I just – I just can't. I mean, as long as these coaching staffs are there, I mean, I just can never see another 2017 type of game again. Like, it's just... No, I with, I'm with you I on that. I just can't see it. And I think it's this game is going to be so similar to either 2021 or 2022. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. Nobody wanted to win last year's game. I mean, I, re- yeah. I don't know if you've rewatched it. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen two teams, especially in that low scoring of a, a game, just give the ball away to each other time and time again. I mean, nobody wanted to win that game at all, but I will, you got to give Iowa state credit. I mean, they had the 99 yard drive. I think there was the questionable penalty on Cooper DeGene, but at that point you can't blame the penalty. He gave up a 99 yard drive. Iowa state just found a way to do it. Right. But 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think Iowa on paper has the personnel to be able to have some success, but I also think you need to give, you know, John Heacock the benefit of the doubt. I think he's earned it. I think Iowa State has a legit defense. And here's where I'm interested in, and this is going to be – this is one of my X factors, and I was thinking about the score and all that because you mentioned there's a lot of hidden yards for Iowa State last week. I thought their special teams took a huge step forward. I think that's been a big kind of – falling point or failing point for Matt Campbell's teams just in terms of Iowa State they just have not had reliable special teams it's cost them games think about Iowa Iowa State the famous muff punt which you know just the play two Iowa State guys on each other that will be replayed forever uh when people talk about this series Iowa State does a lot to shoot themselves in the foot against Iowa now I'm not taking a lot of credit away from Iowa but Iowa State certainly does no favors to themselves for themselves in this series but can Iowa State continue what they showed last week on special teams, or are they going to go back to what I'll call typical Matt Campbell, typical Iowa State special teams? The 56-yard field goal was encouraging last week. Uh, the punting was really good. The coverage was good. But I also trust LeVar Woods to bounce back. Iowa's not going to have a bad special teams game again. I just It just seems inconceivable to me at this point because of what we've seen under LeVar Woods. Will Iowa State hurt themselves in special teams? And the reality is, will Rocco Beck and J.J. Cole be able to throw the ball against Iowa's secondary? Look, I mean, I, I know Jamari Harris is out. I know it's not as proven of a secondary as last year, but you talk about giving credit to the coaching staffs and John Heacock. Sean, Phil Parker still the Iowa secondary coach, DB coach and defensive coordinator. Xavier Wampa has two picks and two starts. Cooper DeGene's a first-round pick. Are they going to take some shots against those guys? And if they do, if Iowa gets a pick early, will the young Iowa State quarterbacks be able to respond to the adversity? And I think if Iowa puts them in a bad spot early, it's a test that Becht and Cole have never had to kind of encounter. And you think about Iowa having the edge in the quarterback battle, which I, I do think is obvious, even with Cade Hurt, because he's been in these environments, he's played in these games. <sighs> It'll be very interesting because if Iowa State gets down early right now, just on paper, I don't see a scenario where Iowa State comes back and wins. I just I have a tough time with that just from the lack of experience and lack of kind of prove it with this staff. Now, look, they had Hunter Deckers and a couple other playmakers, maybe. But you got to look at this objectively. I mean, they have a lot of young guys. And if they go in there and beat Iowa – I mean, for Matt Campbell, Sean, I would argue that could be the turning point to kind of get that program back on track because you look at all the young players they have, what they've been through this offseason. It's not a must-win game for Matt Campbell by any means, but they want to kind of springboard and get back to where they want to get to under Campbell. This this could be a very, very big opportunity for them. Yeah, most definitely. It's going to be definitely a big game, I mean, for them in terms of getting that momentum on the right foot. I mean, if you could keep this game close and even win, it's like, okay, maybe expectations and aim should be going to a bowl game this year because, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, maybe us included at times, were kind of like, okay, Iowa State losing 100 Eckers, losing a bunch of other guys or a couple other guys, um, you know, they're going to be a four, five win team this season, somewhere in that range. But, I mean, if you win this game, like, it's it's possible that you could see a potential bowl for them. And, you know, that that makes it – I mean, people talk about winning the 
winning the conference, and obviously that's really important because the goal at the end of the day is to win the Big Ten if you're Iowa and to win the Big 12 if you're Iowa State. But this game can really propel you to, you know, getting more confidence going into those, you know, conference matchups and, you know, just feeling better about yourself as a team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the personnel. I, like I said, I think, you know, Iowa, I talked about that Logan Jones, Tom Orange matchup and getting the run game going. If Iowa's defensive line is able to replicate what it did in 2021 when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback and collapsing the pocket, I mean, look at that. Look at who the quarterback was for Iowa State in that 2021 game, Brock Purdy. You know, what has Brock Purdy done since, you know, he's been in the NFL? Like, he's mystery relevant and, you know, was probably one of the biggest surprises in the NFL last season, if not the biggest surprise. I mean, granted, the 49ers had great guy, great personnel around him. But Iowa's, Iowa's 2021 defense forced him into three interceptions and, you know, forced Matt Campbell to bench him at the end of the game. Yeah, And that was a Brock Purdy, you know, who was pretty experienced. Like, that was his, you know, last year in, in Ames. And, you know, this is Rocco back to his one career start. And I think a lot of people would argue while this linebacker court maybe isn't, is not as strong, you know, right now as that unit was, this defensive line for Iowa is still pretty talented. And this secondary is still pretty good, too. Um so that's that's a big key for me. If this if this defensive line for Iowa can you know get to the quarterback, Joe Evans had I think like four or five pressures in that game or quarterback hurries in that game, um, and you know he's still on that Iowa defensive line. If he can do that again, if he can replicate that, then get pressure from the interior because you know Iowa State's offensive line was a little shaky in pass protection last week against Northern Iowa. If Iowa can get that pressure, you know and force that pocket to collapse pretty quickly, I think the defense will be in good shape too because that will definitely lead to more turnovers. Yeah, and I think Iowa's defensive line will have a lot more opportunities to get to the quarterback. I mean, if you look at on paper, you'd be surprised at how little quarterback pressure Iowa's defensive line had against Utah State, but Utah State had a great game plan. They were doing quick routes that didn't allow Iowa's defensive linemen to get home. Uh, but, Sean, let's move on to our predictions. Uh, just give me your result. And why? I mean, I'm again, I'm I'm really excited about this game. I think it's a big opportunity. And you look at Iowa's Iowa under Kirk Ferentz, they typically have more success when they beat Iowa State just as the season goes along. So if you want to use that as a measuring stick, I think there's just a lot more confidence going out into conference with a three and zero record versus two and one, and obviously winning a trophy game. I think there's a lot more owl boost within the team when that happens. So let me hear what you got. Yeah, I have Iowa winning uh twenty to thirteen. I think the run game gets going. Um for Iowa, I think, you know, maybe it's not I think they'll probably get one big play here or there. Um one big play here or there. I don't think it's, you know, totally consistent like you would want with the four, five, six yards, but you know, I think Caleb Johnson breaks three once or twice and that really opens things. I think, you know, there are a couple carries here and there where you say, okay. You know, this offensive line looks good, but, you know, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. I mean, I could see this game going multiple ways. You know, if Iowa makes a mistake here or there, that could obviously, you know, really, really impact this game. And, you know, Cade's obviously not going to be 100%, but he's going to be, you know, in a position, I think, that Iowa hasn't had where maybe he's more comfortable in these types of games. You know, Iowa State's going to – try and do whatever they can to move him around and get him 
get him moving around in the pocket. Um, yeah. But if he can, you know, stay poised and, you know, stay set and, you know, just do what he needs to do in Iowa, that's why I run the football is so big for Iowa in this game too. And, you know, I think they can do it a little bit better, but it's not going to be the prettiest, you know, win. I think for Iowa State, they need to make Iowa wide receivers beat them. They're going to focus on trying to lock down the tight ends. They're going to focus on stopping the run game and forcing Cade to go to the outside and trust Iowa State secondary. I think Iowa wins 24-13. I think Iowa comes up with a huge special teams play that puts them in touchdown contention, I think, you know, whether it be a pick. They're going to do something to give Cade the offense in opposing territory, and I think Iowa will take advantage. I think they'll have at least one big, maybe 75, 80 yard drive to make it happen. And right now, Iowa's defense, I trust a lot more than Iowa State's offense. I just have a really tough time watching. I mean, not watching, but thinking about Iowa State's offense with so many new pieces, being able to move against a proven Iowa defense. And I think when you look back at Iowa's performance against Utah State, you know, Phil Parker is going to be all over his guys this week after. You know, the late touchdown drive, yes, it was against the second team unit for the most part. But I got faith in Phil Parker. I think Iowa's been thinking about this game after they've lost. I know Iowa's downplayed it, but you know how this rivalry gets, Sean. And again, I think Cade's out to prove it. And I'm going to take an experienced quarterback in a hostile environment with a more experienced team. So I have 24-13. I was close to 27-13, to but I'm not going to give Iowa's offense that much credit. Yeah. Again, I, I think I think the defense and special teams puts Iowa in contention too. Uh at least put points on the board from the offensive side, but not like a pick six or anything like that. So uh we have a bunch of preview stuff at hawkeyeinsider.com. So be sure to stay tuned to that for the most in-depth Iowa coverage out there. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David I Colt at SPOC247 and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. And we'll be back Sunday to recap Iowa and Iowa State. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.